We've all been hurt. We all have scars. And through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can all overcome and we can all be healed. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Hey everybody and welcome back to the sanctuary. So today as as we get started, I recently learned about some statistics that I want to share with you um, about podcast. Now, just to let you know um, how well we're doing, really, and, and we're doing really, really well. So what I learned is that there are an estimated three to four million podcasts out there, and more than half of those have less than three episodes. Not only that, but less than a million have more than 10 episodes out of about 500 to 700,000 active podcasts, meaning that they have had at least one new episode in the past year. That's right. That's how few there are. Um, only about 150,000 produce a weekly episode. Not only have we put out an episode every single week since we went live, this is actually our 22nd episode. So thank you so much for your continued support. Uh, you know, I believe the Lord has smiled on us here and seeing the blessing of the growth. It's just a testament to his glory. Now, looking at the analytics as well, we have listeners turning in regularly all around the world. Now, of course, the goal is to improve continually and to provide everyone with quality time in the work. So please continue to let us know your prayer needs, questions, and how we can improve to uh, better be of service. All right. And of course, you know, share us with anyone and everyone, regardless of where they are in their walk with Christ. Now, um, with that said, we're going to go ahead and we're going to pick back up in our series here. And we're going to continue right where we left off. Now, when you're looking at the chapters and the verses and all that, it might seem a little off looking at the face value here. And I know some of you are probably wondering why we didn't just finish off with this last verse last time. Well, for one, it's all how this ties together. And also, if you were to look at the Hebrew text of what we're reading, right where Jonah um, chapter 1 verse 17 is, well, in the Hebrew text, it's actually actually numbered as chapter 2, verse 1. So that's, that's why we, we stopped where we, where we did and where, why we're starting where we are. Now, moving along, you know, the last time we saw Jonah, he had just been pitched into the sea. And the result was not only were the sailors of that ship saved, but they also found salvation. Now, for those following in, the, in their Bible and those taking notes, um, go ahead, you know, join me now, Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. It's the very last verse in the chapter there um, as we continue to go through this entire book. Now, Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. First thing first. It does not say whale. Depending on the translation of your Bible, it might simply say huge, or it might say great fish. 
you know, maybe it was oil, maybe it wasn't, we don't know. For all we know, it was the creation of the Lord for this one event, never to be seen again. Now, many have said that this was simply a dream or a story, you know, a parable. Uh, let's be clear. It's the Word of God, period. So trying to dismiss the miracle that takes place here, it, it needs to cease. It needs to stop. All right. The haggling needs to be done with. You know, it could be a metaphor. It could be literal. Either way, it doesn't matter because what the what what God wants, God's going to get and, you know, he put it here in the scripture for a reason. So we, we as Christians, we can't have an attitude or a mindset that takes away from God's word. All right. Matthew chapter 12, even Jesus himself used Jonah as an illustration. This is where the sign of Jonah comes from. When the religious leaders demanded Jesus show them a sign um, to show his authority, this right here, what we're what we're looking at right now, this is what he was referring to. So it's an important and valid scripture for us to learn from and to apply to our lives. Now, you no doubt have noticed a parallel here as well. All right. Jo as we get into all this here, you know, Jonah, he, you know, he was sacrificed. He was swallowed by death for three days and three nights. Hence, he became a sign. Jesus was sacrificed and rose on the third day. You know, uh, people today still demand proof of Jesus being God. And today, just as then, when it happened, his death and resurrection, you know, the death and resurrection of Jesus tells us the truth of who he is. Now, from a biological standpoint, from, you know, when you look at biology, if you research legitimate resources and don't just, you know, follow the, the nonsense that's out there on social media uh, and what all these naysayers say, um, it, it actually is possible that this could have been a sperm whale. Now, it's unlikely. However, it's not impossible, even with what we know from a scientific standpoint. In addition, as we'll see soon enough, Jonah will be vomited out. Sperm whales do have this ability to rid themselves of bile as well. Now, personally, when I come to this scripture, I've always gotten this picture, I know it's goofy, but I've always had this picture in my mind of Pinocchio and Geppetto on their little raft trying to escape Monstro the Whale and old that you know that old film, you know, the old cartoon. Alright, now that I have all that out of my system, we're gonna go into chapter two here. So Jonah chapter two, and it's ten verses, so we're going we're gonna go through all ten here real quick, um, and then we're gonna go into the meat of it. Alright, and break it down. So Jonah chapter two, verses one through ten, the Bible says from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again 
toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Wow. So truly swallowed by the darkness. You know, Jonah was thrown to the sea, swallowed by this huge fish, and he was facing death. I mean, he was looking it right in the eye. That in itself is more than enough for anyone to start wallowing in self-pity. And for all he knew, he was done for. That's, you know, this was it. Game over, man. He was slowly going to die inside of this fish with all this seaweed, the stomach acid, and whatever else was in there with him. I venture to say it probably didn't smell very good either. You know, this this is a pretty bad day. It's about as bad as it gets at this point. You know, I wonder wonder if he you know he wonder if he knew a whale that went to church for religious purposes. Okay, bad dad joke, but you get the picture. You're getting it. Alright. What we have here though is an entire chapter dedicated to his prayer. Instead of saying, Oh, woe is me. Jonah prayed. He acknowledged how he got there. You know, he messed up and he acknowledged where he was. He messed up and he was going to die. In verse 2, he even compares his situation of being in this fish to being in the land of the dead. You know, he's done. He's in the land of darkness. So, you know, he, he had this time left. And instead of being sad and depressed, man, oh, this is it, done, I messed up. He surrendered himself fully, and he prayed. Thank God for hearing his prayer. The prayer, you know, what, what, we're, what he's talking about here at the beginning is that prayer to save the sailors on the ship. So he thanked God for hearing his prayer and asked for help. See, he knew that regardless of what happened next, that he'd see God. Look at verse 7, where he says his life was ebbing away. This is a very poetic way of saying he was dying. Yet he remembered he needed to look to God. Even looking death in the face, he knew he needed to look to God. Not himself. Not focused on the stuff around him or, or anything, just God. And it's just like us today. You know, when things are going good or even better than that, they're going great. So thanks, God. It's really easy for us. Thanks, God. But we still take him for granted. We take our eyes 
off of him and we start looking around at the world. We start looking at that storm. And that is when we sink. We sink in the storm when we're focused on the world. Yet it's when we are at our weakest that we really remember to look to him and to ask for help, that we truly depend on him, that we come before him. We need to remember and we need to work in, on our relationship with him every single day. I'm going to say it again. We need to remember to work on our relationship with God every single day. Not just saying thanks for the blessings, but following what he's asked us to by being obedient to his word. And not, not just taking someone's word for what the scripture says or what some post on social media says, but actually reading it for ourselves. Second Timothy, excuse me, a little tongue tied there. Second Timothy, chapter two, verse fifteen, reminds us: Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. It's talking about being knowledgeable in the Bible. All right. To educate ourselves by actually reading the word. You see, we have access to the Bible in more places than ever before. Ever before. However, studies show that less than 30% of Christians in the world ever even read the entire Bible. And that here in the U.S., more than 82% of Christians only read their Bible in church on Sundays. How good of a relationship could we possibly have with the Lord when most of us don't even truly know what His Word says because we don't open this book? All right. Now, continuing along here in verse 8, Jonah goes on to talk about false idols, you know, and you know, or simply put, false gods. Matter of fact, depending on your translation, it might say idols or it might say gods. You know, people get hung up on them and they fall into these empty, foolish things that have no real value or real meaning. But they still get put up on that pedestal. It's a reminder that we need to make sure that God comes first in our lives at all times. We have to remain vigilant to ensure nothing takes its place as number one. Even as we read through verse 9, we know that Jonah was locked in on God at this point. There was no room for no negotiation anymore. There was no wiggle room. It was God's way. And that's how life is. It's God's way or the highway, and we need to accept that. Jonah's entire prayer shows us the power of prayer. God can hear us at any time, anywhere, even inside a fish at the bottom of the sea. And just like Jonah was humbled at this point, we need to let go of our egos and our selfishness and become humble before the Father as well. 
Our troubles remind us that we need to get our eyes back on Jesus and off the storm around us. When he tells us to do something, we need to do it. Not argue or to try to heart haggle with him, but to actually do this thing that he has placed in front of us. You know, and by haggling, it's it's that whole, oh, you know, I'll do this if you can do that. You know, because we like to try to bargain with God, especially in prayer. And that's not the way it works. All right. We need to do what we're told without complaining. You know, it's just like parents tell their children, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Right. A lot of us have heard that before. It's plain. It's simple. And we as God's children need to stop throwing a temper tantrum just because things aren't going the way we want them to. God always knows what's going to be best for us. And we need to trust in that. We need to trust in him. It took a miracle, a true act of God to get Jonah to come around and agree to do as he was told. In this prayer, we see that he'd accepted his fate. He gave thanks and then finally did what he should have done in the first place. He was grateful to be spared and realized that our sins can never be too big for God to forgive. Even the Ninevites. That's who he was supposed to go see, right? There's only one sin that is unforgivable. Only one sin that God won't forgive. And that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Or in other words, turning against it by rejecting Jesus. If you recall our Reluctant Leader series, Jonah did exactly the same thing that they did. He ran. He ran from his obligations and he ran from God. And we all have these times in our lives where we're tempted to do the same. The task before us is to recognize it so that when so that we run to God's will instead of against it. You know, we need to remember much like the prodigal son, we can all choose to walk away from God. It does not mean that God is done with us, though. And just as he stopped them and, st and sent them to task, you know, these reluctant leaders and Jonah, he may well choose to do the same with us. Or he may just let us walk. However, it's a lot harder for us to turn back the longer we run. It's harder for us to admit our faults, our sins, and to apologize. And really, simply saying the words, I'm sorry, it isn't good enough. Not that it ever really was, but these words especially. You know, many people, and I'm sure you've noticed, many people say it so often, it really doesn't mean anything anymore. In fact, just the other day, I was talking with my son about something, and he said, I'm sorry. And it's like, what are you sorry for? Why are you apologizing? You didn't do it. This isn't your fault. Why, why would you even say it? I'm sorry? You know, instead, there are a few words that are even harder to say. And really, we should say them because they make it clear what we're trying to say. Instead of saying, I'm sorry, what we should be saying is, Will you forgive me? Or please forgive me. Because it speaks not only to your heart, 
but to the other parties as well. And we know it's what we should be saying. The Lord's Prayer even says, And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. If they're a non-believer, even better. Because this is a great opportunity in a great way, not only to let God's light shine in you, because you may be all that they know of God, but it's also a great opportunity to introduce them through action to the grace, love, and mercy of Jesus. So wherever you are in life, wherever you are, it doesn't matter. It's time to come home. Stop running from the Lord. Admit your faults. Admit your sins. Ask for forgiveness and recommit yourselves to doing the things that God has placed in front of you. Read your Bible and pray every single day. And if you're not sure where to start that, reach out to me. Send me an email. Real easy. I'll, I'll, mess, I'll message you back real quick. I'd be more than happy to offer a suggestion on where to start and how to keep going that fits with your lifestyle. All right, next time we're going to keep on going. So until next time, keep reading and keep praying. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. If you would like to know more about our ministry or how you can support us, you can find us on Facebook at Be The Light Sanctuary or you can go to our website at BeTheLightSanctuary.org. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you next time. God bless.